This week on Out Now with Aaron and A, we're talking The Vast of Night. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is hopefully going to join us very soon. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly, and we dig into some movies via, via mostly spoiler-free review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun topic. Uh, this week, we got a couple fun things here. We're going to discuss and review the film The Vast of Night, the new sci-fi film that has debuted on Amazon Prime. It's also available in select drive-in theaters. Um... Yeah, that's going to be the first part of this review. This is episode 408, by the way. 408. See, this is why I need Abe. <laughs> missing the numbers. <laughs> Some of the most important factors of this are what number of episodes this is. And I skipped right by it. But yeah, this is 408. Um, and yeah, Vast of Night, that's our main review. Uh, following that, along some feedback, we're going to also discuss streaming services. Um, the, the, which ones are which, and which ones are good, and which ones uh, you can maybe people want to go for. But yeah, we're going to talk a lot about streaming services in the second half of this episode. But to do all of that, we, of course, have a guest with us, and here he is. He is from Battleship Retention. He's looking for Bacon Bacon 940. It's David Bax. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And that, uh, that uh, I'm having some connectivity issues over here, so apologies in advance, but that timed out because I missed most of your intro of me, and it came in. Uh, your, your voice came back in just in time to, for me to hear my, my name and the Bacon Bacon uh, uh, reference. Um, that's all you yeah, need to hear. That's all, that's all you need yeah. to hear, really. That's <laughs> that was the most important part. But yes, glad, happy to have you here. How, how have you been doing in the uh, in the world lately? Uh, staying staying sane. Um, but uh, you know, uh, the day that we're recording this, obviously, a lot of uh, things have been going on the past few nights uh, here in Los Angeles and uh, all over the the country. So I'm trying to um, do the best that I can with my uh, various forms of, uh, privilege, um, you know, uh, uh, donating money because I, I am, uh, em employed donating money to black lives matter and to, to bail funds. And, and, uh, actually, uh, if I can, uh, say, um, for the month of June, mm -hmm. uh, if you, if you go to com slash premium, anything, that you any premium episode you buy from battleshipretention.com 100% of the proceeds will go to Communities United Against Police Brutality which is a Minneapolis based uh uh a nonprofit uh group um that is opposed to police brutality um so that's uh what I'm doing to 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 stay sane and feel like a a, a worthwhile member of uh society as it exists today well, very cool to hear, and I will say before we proceed on to our silly fun talking about movies, uh, yes, it, it, with with everything going on, I think it's important to say that stay safe out there. I there is there is a lot of things going on, a lot of things to consider and look at and have opinions about, and it is important overall, especially because of the continuing on presence of the pandemic that's also out there. Mm. Stay safe. Uh, I, I that that I find that to be very important. <laughs> um, do 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 what you can. Um, yeah. Keep your well-being in mind. All right, let's keep this thing going. Uh, let's yeah. get let's get to some show notes real quick. 
Uh, first up, we had an episode last week, a bonus episode of covering all of the trip films. Friend of the show, Adam Gentry, and I, we talked about each of the four trip movies, including the most recent release, The Trip to Greece. That was a lot of fun. I had a good time putting that together. Um, I included a lot of clips from the various trip films, too. So if you're looking for to have a lot of laughs and to hear some fun analysis of those films, that one's up there now on iTunes. Uh, speaking of which, you can find all of our episodes on iTunes as well as every other area you can find podcasts. But specifically iTunes because you can give us a rating and review. That'd be, uh, that'd be great. Help bump us up in the old iTunes charts. Uh, I'm always neck and neck with Battleship Pretension. So, you know, it's just, you know, the, the, the competition that we have <laughs> as far as ranking, you know, Somewhere in the top 1,000 movie podcasts, it's very important to us. So. <laughs> but seriously, yeah, rating, rating reviews for all of us, honestly, for every podcast you listen to, if it's giving you, if it's bringing you a good time, I it 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 would go a, fa- a long way to go onto iTunes and give that that podcast, specifically ours in this case, a rating review because that will make them happy. Um, yeah, I mm-hmm. should. Uh... I should tell my listeners to do that more often. Back, we've been doing Battleship Pretension so long that we used to regularly be in the top 100 and sometimes even up to like the top 20 because there weren't as many back in 2007, 2008. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then what happened is that like there's like an official HBO Game of Thrones podcast, an official whatever, and those like always uh, seem to end up at the top of these lists. I mean, that's why our concerted effort to get these shows canceled is really important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so there's that. What else? New commentary track. It is, well, by the time this comes out, it is a new month. It will it is June, which means that we're going to record a new commentary track. And this month we are doing one for, in honor of its 30th anniversary, Dick Tracy, the Warren Beatty comic book spectacular. I am very excited to record this. We're going to record this this week. Um, a lot of things to talk about with that film. Um, that's going to be up very soon. Um, actually, this week, in fact. So, yeah, look out for that one. And um, what else? I think that's it for show notes. Yep. So let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to one of my favorite news segments, given the current quarantining and what have you. We we go over what we would have talked about. Uh, were, this, were this not happening, what movie was going to talk about that we would have talked about this week instead of the movie that we are talking about? Uh, this week, it would have been Artemis Fowl, apparently. The long-delayed Kenneth Branagh YA adaptation. Um, I know nothing about this book series that it's based upon. I do know that it's a movie that was going to come out a while ago and then got delayed a year, and now is del- delayed to all the way to Disney+. Plus. Um, do I have any anticipation for it? I don't I don't know. David, Are you? Are, do you have any awareness of Artemis Fowl? Uh, I know because we did a, a a sort of summer movie preview, like uh, focusing mostly on streaming and home video releases uh, at battleshipretention.com. So I uh, I looked up um, uh, I looked up this movie, and I'll say what I said on that podcast episode. Um, I know Artemis Fowl will have at least one good scene because Hong Chao is in the cast. Okay. All right. Um, I'm, I'm here to stand for Hong Chao. <laughs> well, I, I have, again, very little to go off of because I don't, I, I have no awareness of this book series and I, yeah. I, I, I'm very happy that Kenneth Branagh got to make whatever he got to afterwards because of the fact that he did a, he directed Artemis Fowl. So good on him for that, I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's coming to Disney plus soon enough. So it will be seen. <laughs> And we'll just go yeah. from there. I don't know. I mean, I like. Uh, I, I've often liked Kenneth Branagh's movies. I haven't seen all of them. I never saw the Jack Ryan movie that he. Uh, it's probably that he his made. worst movie. 
Okay. okay. I, but uh, and so that's and that's you know in that bigger budget territory. But I liked um or Orient Express. But that seems more geared towards like him, right? Like as far right. as like what he wants to do. I mean, he's. But I also it. think he made the best of the Disney live action adaptations so far. Oh yeah, with, with Cinderella. With Cinderella. Yeah. Yeah, Cinderella. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I think it, it it's very good in that in the realm of those and um and it, of course of course it did Thor. Can't forget about Thor. So yeah. Um, uh, I didn't. Uh, uh, speaking of the Disney live action adaptations, did you were you able to see Mulan? Did you go to a screen the premiere or anything before it? No, nope. uh, it no, came out. No, no yeah. Mulan for me. Yeah, me either. I I know people who have seen Mulan. But uh, so that's all they do. They all they do is brag about seeing Mulan before quarantine. That's the, that's their life now. It's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My, I've been bragging about seeing My Spy. That's that's the thing I've been uh, in Charm City Kings, which we saw. Together. We saw Charm City Kings, and I saw for I saw for. Did you see First Cow? Uh, no, I didn't see oh, First Cow. First Cow. That's that's where it's at right there. Uh, you you don't even know. Oily cakes, man. <laughs> That'll make sense to you, and you know six months like when whenever or whenever uh six months <laughs> asterisk i guess is the best way to put that one yeah but yeah uh all right that's what we would have talked about artemis Fowl. let's um well let's move on let's go into what we are going to talk about which is the vast of night This is WOTW Radio in Cayuga, New Mexico, and this is the news for the hour. Now, what would you like to tell us about yourself? I don't know. Well, aren't you like some big science girl? Tell me about science. Edward, it's Faye. I'm a sound king for the board and interrupted your radio show. What a sound. What's going on, Everett? 718 here at WOTW. We got a sound we'd like to play that seems to be bouncing around the valley tonight. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for The Vast of Night. Set in 1950s New Mexico, which had already evoked certain ideas, the film follows a fateful night involving a radio DJ and a young switchboard operator who discover a strange radio frequency. In an effort to understand what's going on, the two have an adventure all over town, delving deeper to find the real truth. The film is written by James Montague and Craig W. Sanger. It is the directorial debut of Andrew Patterson. The film debuted at 2019's Slam Dance Film Festival, but has only now just found its way to Amazon Prime in addition to drive-in theaters. David, were you happy witnessing this episode of Paradox Theater? Uh, I was over the moon. I um, I, I hadn't heard much. Uh, uh, I didn't know much about the movie, and I remembered that uh, I had gotten invited to a press screening that I couldn't make back when it had a different uh, release date, I think. Mm-hmm. Um and then when they, when Amazon offered me a screener, I was like, oh yeah, I uh, you know they're, this this sounds interesting. I have nothing else uh, to do, and so I went in not really knowing anything about the movie and not knowing what to expect. And I'm trying not to be hyperbolic here, but I think this is one of the most impressive like feature debuts I've seen in in years. Um, the, a- Andrew Patterson's clear facility with filmmaking seem seeming to have come from nowhere. I don't know what he's done. He has zero other credits on IMDb. So I don't know uh, what else, what, uh, what else to, to learn about him. But I, um, I just real quick, I, I read an interview with him and he didn't even mm-hmm. go to film school. He just, he's approximating I, I his abilities. That, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't read that interview, but I, I, yeah, I read uh, uh, that he was self-taught, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and the the film is so uh so com- so complete in the way that it's that it's uh, put together um there there's there's not uh there's so little i think of the like sort of first feature uh self-consciousness uh-huh. you know or 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 the trying too hard that you get from a lot of uh first features um uh i because i re- coincidentally i recently watched a movie i had heard good things about uh that's also a first feature called the standoff at sparrow creek and i did not like that at all it felt very first first featurey mm-hmm. in a lot of ways um and so to compare that to uh the vast of night which uh is it it's a great movie in its in its own right that i look forward to revisiting uh time and time again but it also seems like a terrific calling card for a, a new talent yeah, I have very little to add to that initial summation because I think the film is pretty fantastic. I watched it kind of in a a vacuum as well. Like I I had no real awareness of the film or who was involved in it. I just saw kind of a basic logline and was like, "This sounds interesting." Put it on and was thoroughly impressed. Impressed so much that I, as well as you, at this point, we've both seen it twice. Yeah. Um, it helps that it's not a long movie, but regardless, I think it's just impressive enough for it's like. I can watch this again since it's on Amazon Prime, and as we have these screeners for it, it's a lot nicer to see it in a full HD version on a TV. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah, without it, my email address burned in yeah. at fifty uh, percent <laughs> opacity across yeah. the middle of the screen. Exactly. So watching, you know, regardless, watching the film, I was incredibly impressed by the direction. It's a very stylish film, one that really goes out of its way to give you a certain sensibility that recalled honestly like Amblin films to me but in a way that didn't feel like it's trying to show you hey remember this filmmaker or I'm doing something similar where other filmmakers that are much more notable uh, these days uh, certainly have done that uh, regardless mm-hmm. I really like how this film stands on its own two feet like it feels like it's telling you a story that recalls certain films ones I don't want to necessarily mention because I feel like it might give away too much of the game but it's really effective in what it's trying to do here it's you could say it's perhaps a little slight as far as what it's overall trying to do, but I think that's besides the point because it's such a great grasp on how to present how to present this story and how to present the people that are in this story. I really like the 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 main two characters that we're interacting with. You have you have um, Everett the DJ and Faye the the um, switchboard operator and it's not you know it's it's a film that takes place all in one night so it's not like you're going to get like expansive details on who every single person is but in the you know the time we spend watching them rush all over town i was really into how this film like showed these two like i guess you could say ambitious people that are just want to like find something they want to find something going on in this mm-hmm. in this small town that will either change the way they think about things or just be like an entertaining way to kind of spend an evening um, and it all just comes together really well. I was just, yeah, I was thoroughly impressed throughout this movie. Well, you, you mentioned, uh, uh, references or, 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 um, comparisons to other filmmakers. Uh-huh. Um, and I mentioned this to you in a different conversation, but the opening of the movie reminded me of the opening of Snake Eyes, the Brian De Palma movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, it's not all one take or, uh, or anything like that, but the, the sort of choreography of like one sort of much lower level version of, this uh uh mover and shaker and this the schemer um uh going through the the in this case it's a, a high school gymnasium uh instead of the mgm grand but uh 
uh, uh, talking to the various members of the uh, of of the town and and getting a sense for this uh, this fictional town of Cayuga, New Mexico. Um, uh, and and also it's again to go say what I was saying about uh, how impressive uh, a command Andrew Patterson has over filmmaking. The choreography of of these of this and, and a couple other of the long takes. You've got you've got a character characters and a camera walking back and forth through a basketball game or at least a warm up to the basketball game. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, and you've got, uh, cheerleaders at one point and, and, uh, uh, it's, it's the band. It's, uh, I keep yeah. using the word. I, yeah. I keep using the word impressive, but it's a, it's pretty uh, impressive. Um, it's, it's the kind of thing where like when you watch scenes like that and they're set in a small town, like it, it feels almost like a community effort to make something work. Right. Where like you, if you're sitting in like a basketball court, and there's you know a hand you know a lot of extras that are there to be involved in this thing. I like that it feels so like personal to a degree, where it's not as if you know there's no you know it's not like CG backgrounds or anything, and it's not like huge mass of people that are you know not completely aware of everything going on. It feels something feels something smaller in scale, so you have everyone there trying to do this thing, and because of how well choreographed it is, it just all. It feels like I'm watching an actual basketball game warm up, and a guy's just kind of walking through it in a way yeah. that it it has that kind of for a movie that's going to throw you into a deep end in some ways. There's an authenticity there as far as how do you portray 1950s small town America, and I think this film accomplishes that. I think it has a way of doing that while still being stylized, right? There's still a a sense that it's doing like just the way like Everett talks. It, mm. it reminded me of like Brick for example, as far as kind of a, a fast-talking oh, yeah. guy um, in this very specific setting, high school, no less, so it's, it's you know, there's a lot of similarity there, actually. Um, it all, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it all kind of, it, it comes together in a way where it's like, it's deliberate, but it doesn't feel like it, like you mentioned, it's not, it doesn't feel self-conscious about it. It feels like it's more assured in what it wants to do and how to put it out there. Yeah, um, you know what I noticed more, um, and yeah, that uh, the way that Everett talks is uh, something else I was going to say is the movie is actually very funny a lot of the time, uh-huh. at least in a, in a kind of dry way, not a laugh out loud, loud way. Um, although, yeah, Faye, played by Sierra McCormick, gets some uh, big, maybe the biggest laugh in the movie for me when she's like, uh, when she for, she goes off running, forgetting that Everett has a car, and she's like, "I'm sorry, I don't ride in cars. I just walk everywhere." Um, <laughs> that's a funny like moment, but. Um, what I noticed in rewatching it is Everett's sort of like uh, slick uh, patois or whatever kind of like fades away as like things the stakes get deeper and as things become more real he he he's not talking like as much of a uh, a slick huckster type uh, he he becomes a more uh, uh, realistic grounded character. Which is even, uh, Faye even calls it out at some point when, when he starts yeah. talking on the radio again or calling people. He's, he's like, why are you talking that way? He's like, it's my radio voice. It's just how I'm on the radio. Which I feel yeah. like as us as podcasters, I feel like we know that is what that is as well. Where Absolutely. I, like we're not necessarily doing like this right now. I'm speaking a certain way. It's not because I'm deliberately trying to create a different sort of persona, but there is a way to kind of you know present yourself differently talking on air and i feel like the movie does it'll it's aware of that as well like you're saying as far as everett and even his just like what his own ambitions are as far as wanting to be either you know a radio personality or a journalist he 
is bringing on a certain kind of way of speaking to present this level of confidence. This like this whole opening sequence that we've referenced. It's basically him just acting like he owns the place. He walks yeah. into the building, everyone wants his attention. The guy of the trumpet wants his attention. The guy the big the guys on the stand want his attention as far as how to record the game. Faye yeah. wants to talk to him about how to how to be good at recording. The people behind right. the scenes want to figure out things. Like, like he's he's, you know, man about town. That's what he's doing right now. And it's 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 fun to see the movie yeah play with that. Especially when it gets into these big serious moments. They're not even well they are serious, but like these very standalone moments where you have people calling into the radio station or them visiting somebody in relation to what's going on and delivering these very long monologues that delve into these very specific stories that tie in other aspects of what the world is at that point or what America is at that point. What'd you, what'd you think of these like big monologue sequences? Uh, I, I found myself absolutely uh, on the edge of my seat. I was the, I found them very gripping. Um, I thought more in the second viewing about how they're um, filmed and how often they're, um, I, I mentioned the big sort of tour around the gymnasium at the beginning, not being all one take. Uh, but, uh, there is a very showy one take, uh, shot later in the movie, but a lot of these monologues are just either, uh, um, long shots of the person listening, um, or long shots with the, uh, I think Gail Cronauer is the actress, uh, who plays the older woman uh, near the end of the movie. It's just a long sort of profile shot of her telling, uh, a story um and i think that it's impressive that trust that andrew patterson puts in his actors and in his ability to direct them a lot of what's impressive about the vast of night uh is from a sort of technical and construction uh standpoint i mean you mentioned it's all one night it's really kind of real time mm-hmm. um yeah. and, and uh, uh really impressively put together and sometimes uh very uh ostentatious without being without taking you out of it you know there's parts where the picture just goes out you just listen for a while but uh in addition to this uh technical command uh andrew patterson also seems like a really good director of actors you know for a, yeah, yeah. For a movie with with no real names uh in it um uh there's not really a weak performance in in the entire movie he's got a great uh, there's a great great casting done and a great direction of of the casting. I mean, maybe my favorite performance in the movie is a completely vocal performance. Uh, there's a there there there's a there's a storyline where there's a, a a veteran, an Air Force veteran, who calls into the radio station and has a couple of just monologues, and we're just we're just watching uh, Everett played by Jake Horowitz and Faye played by Sierra McCormick listen a lot of the times. And yet this, the, the actress name is Bruce Davis who plays this, this veteran uh, is maybe my favorite performance in the entire movie. I, I don't disagree because the second, especially watching it the second time when his voice comes on screen, I just want to pay attention. I want to hear everything that's mm-hmm. going on. And there's such a, it's not like it's a, an elaborate conversation. It's just like him talking, but like just the way the, the, the when you're not, since I'm not seeing him, I'm just hearing him. I'm, you know, there's piecing together of what's going on here, what kind of environment. Like I'm doing all these kind of mental things as far as how I'm interpreting what's going on, and just like the way he reveals certain bits of information or reveals to Everett and Faye certain bits of information. It's it's never not like interesting or intriguing to see how that plays into both what they're what they're thinking, listening to him, and what it's trying to say about the world uh like or what or again america like what's what time frame are we in why is this person telling this story and what does it connect to and i was trying uh, especially you know 
watching it and kind of taking it in, I was trying to think more about not just like the story that's being told and like where it goes and what the ultimate reveal is supposed to be, but like how it connects to anything. Like if it's trying to say something specific about anything in particular. And I have some thoughts on that. I, I, I don't, you know, we don't know Patterson too well as a director to like say he's <laughs> definitely making certain kinds of statements, but I do think there are, there are questions he's posing out there that aren't like unfounded as far as relations to society. Is that, do you think it's what uh, I, Watching it again last night, given all that's all that's going on, I I noticed things that or things stood out to me more um, uh, the second time that the, than the first. That uh, you get this uh, phase. The other switchboard operator makes kind of a kind of an insensitive joke about Native Americans um, uh, um, r- r- early on, and then and then does that like I'm not saying that because they're Indian or whatever. Um, and, but then later the the Billy character played by Bruce Davis um, uh, mentioned the way that he talks about the fact that he's black and not only as a black soldier, what that means, but also as a caller. And he like that Everett says he doesn't think that radio station has ever had a black caller before, which is uh-huh. like uh, absurd. And Billy feels the need to almost like apologize for not having disclosed up front yeah. uh, his race. Um, uh, it definitely, yeah, like you're saying, it, it seems like Andrew Patterson, or or at least the the screenwriters whose names I'm I'm forgetting, Montague and something, Sanger, um, yeah. uh, definitely have uh have things. The, the setting of the late fifties um is not just a nod to uh the the sci-fi of the era and things like the Twilight Zone. Um, there's clearly other things uh on. On, on their mind uh and yeah it might take multiple uh viewings for me to come to uh, uh uh a strong guess about what exactly that is but uh yeah there's an awareness there for sure and you know speaking of, to shift things a little bit speaking of its kind of correlation to the twilight zone did you like the framing device that they used for this film the film opens with us watching a like a, a TV that's introducing us to a show called Paradox Theater, and then it zooms into the TV, and we're kind of in the film now, and it kind of goes back. It uses that again to varying degrees throughout the film, as far as reminding us that we're sort of watching this through a certain lens. Did you did you like what they were trying to do with that? Uh, it didn't uh, it didn't bother there didn't bother me. Uh, there are times I think the the very opening shot that we see of paradox theater which is like a townsperson that i don't think we ever see again uh-huh. um is fantastic because it actually looks like it's coming from like in both the way it looks and, and the staging and the performance it actually feels like it's coming from the late 50s i wish the other segments that we see um maybe also had that look and uh um but uh a lot of the other shots of like Faye arriving at the at the work at work at the switchboard just feel like well, it's still the movie we're watching, but with like a filter on it, or to make it look like it's on TV. Um, but yeah, I I, I'm, I didn't have a problem with it. I think um, uh, it's useful in that it kind of uh, breaks the film because, like I said, it's all real time. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of fluidity to the movie, but it kind of does break the film into acts. You know that you yeah yeah uh, when like I said, it starts or you said it starts with the Paradox Theater. Um, and that's how you, when you get that whole opening, like 20 minutes or, or so. And then when Faye arrives at, at work, it does the paradox theater thing again, or at least the TV thing again, and sort of sort of, sort of a signal like, okay, we're into a new chapter of this, uh, of this movie now. 
Um, quick note on the Twilight Zone thing. I didn't know this. I, I saw this. Um, the name of the fictional town, Cayuga, uh, was the name of Rod Serling's production company, Cayuga huh. Productions. Interesting. Every episode of, of Twilight Zone. Oh, well, very cool. Good. That's a fun fact to know. <laughs> you yeah. Use that in modern streaming movie trivia night. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> thinking more about the kind of the style of the film and what uh, Patterson's choosing to do as a director, I'm a I'm a huge fan of process in film, like just seeing characters do stuff. And this film, it has that in beats, especially in a, a section where Everett's trying to kind of locate. A, an audio file of it, and by do by to do that he's going like he's going from reel to reel literally going from reel to reel um like listening to to find what he's looking for and you see him over and over again like taking out a reel uh taking the amount of tape winding it up the way it needs to listening to it taking it out doing the same process over again and that's i i really like that kind of stuff that like as much as it might seem like filler or what have you or even like <laughs> Uh, pretentious to a point of just showing like look we learned how to do this so we're going to show it on film but i'm into that like when i see that in various movies uh, tarantino's very good at that really scott's great at doing that at like giant budget levels uh but independent films often like do like just showing the stuff showing you the stuff how it works i love it yeah yeah cool. I, I, I absolutely loved that stuff uh that scene in particular i talked about uh I used the term choreography before, but the fact that he goes through a certain number of reels while he and Faye are talking uh-huh. and that the dialogue has to time out so that he arrives at the right reel that he's looking for at a certain point in the in the screenplay is like, I don't know, I, I guess I, I wonder how many takes they did or how much rehearsal uh, they did. It's it's really well timed out. And I, But I also had the same thought with the, um, uh, look, we learned how to do this. Like, did C.R. McCormick actually learn how these 50 switchboards work or is she just doing actorly like business because it looks convincing to me what she's what she's doing but uh as far as i know she's just making it up because <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how those work uh, yeah you just uh, wa- you just watch some episodes of mad men and you know yeah you figure it out you, you take but, the thing out and put it in the other thing <laughs> that these these two things both the real uh the tape reels they're looking for and uh the switchboard um Gets back. We we mentioned that obviously the Everett is a radio DJ and Faye is a switchboard operator. The movie is obviously very concerned with sound uh-huh. um, and with things traveling uh, over sound waves, um, and that is reflected in the terrific sound design. Um, yes. The the not like the sort of alien sound. Is that the first time I used the word alien? We use the word alien. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't want to get too far into that, but the alien-ish sounds that they hear are very cool. Kind of, kind of reminded me of signs, but in a different way. Um, but also just the, again, that business of Faye working the the switchboard. Like every time one of those plugs comes in or out of the sockets, like it's a it's a big, like uh, loud kind of weirdly satisfying sound. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and there's, Man, there's you know, stuff like that throughout. Not to stop you, but like signs would be like if this was if this isn't a drive drive in, signs would be like the signs would be like the A picture, and this would be like the B picture, and that'd be a hell right. of a double feature to watch. Honestly, like it'd be really really fun to like go back to back with these kinds of movies, um, just for the types of stories that they're telling, regardless of how connected they actually are. But you know, you have like the big A budget movie, and then this movie would come on afterwards, and be like, oh cool, like that was a nice little like double play right there. Um, but I, I don't disagree with you as far as the sound goes. Like it, it, it is a very, 
especially there there's like literally a scene where all picture drops and it's nothing but sound and even just yeah. the waves of the sound and it I, I mean it's it's never again it's never not interesting to watch this movie like in the way it presents these things and yeah. and the way it l- lets you listen to a lot of things uh not just obviously the dialogue but yes as you're saying the kind of the way it's taking you through this town and how you're hearing Yes, the radio frequencies, as well as just stuff going on. Like, there's a level of tension, I think, throughout this film that's, that's, uh, you know, it's earned. Where you you mentioned that, like, it's often like there's a lot of fun to be had in this movie, and that's not wrong. But there's also a, because of how calm things seem at the beginning and the way things escalate, you're gradually expecting something to kind of happen. And whether that's going to be something presented in a more nefarious way or just something that kind of keeps things moving i i wouldn't necessarily say i was on edge but i'm certainly sitting there thinking there's going to be something dramatic being revealed at some point and i'm, I'm constantly mm-hmm. looking out for that throughout this movie which i think is just a way that shows how effective this film is as far as it's grasping and making me think you know it's playing with my expectations i guess is the best way to say it yeah and i, I don't know i don't want to get and can't yeah. get into where yeah. things are going or uh-huh. saying spoiler free I, I i will say that i'm uh, the end of the movie is another reason I'm glad I rewatched it uh, uh, outside of the that uh, compressed, you know, um, uh, screen that I had watched because the end uh, looks much better on, you know, streaming on. I, on I Amazon completely agree. Yes, because the movie is set primarily at night, so having a good quality film to watch, as far as how you're viewing it, um, you know, visibly from your own eyes, it helps for sure. So you yeah, get a great, could get a great yeah. set. Like, who would have thought watching movies with your eyes is a great idea? Um, yeah, so it really, <laughs> really comes together by having the visuals that are designed for this movie. Let's see, any other thoughts on the vast? I know we talked about a lot as far as why it's so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, the only thought is that uh, watch it. Uh, I'm kind of, it's kind of a bummer. I think that uh, you have to have a Prime membership to watch it. Um, I don't know if it's worth, uh, you know, a hundred and ten dollars or whatever it is. Um, but uh, if you do have a prime or you have a prime uh, login login from someone else, uh, absolutely watch this. I get the, the, to go back to what I was saying uh, at the beginning. I, I get the impression that uh, in a, in a few years, you'll be able to, if you watch it now, you'll be able to brag that you saw Andrew Patterson's first film uh, <laughs> before he made others. That's a great point to make. I mean, I am you know, watching this movie. I'm like, what is he going to do next? Like that's the, which is, yeah. In addition to just getting a you know a quality first feature, I think that's a great sign as far as you want to be curious what the director, what the people involved in this film are moving on to after this because they've done such a great job of, you know, putting it putting their name out there. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I am looking forward to what he has coming down the line in the same way I have been with other certainly filmmakers from that I've. What, as I was already like, you know, something like Ryan Johnson, where I see Brick and I'm like, I want to see what else Ryan Johnson does, where I'm I'm already conscious of this, not like something like, I don't know, the Coens, where I'm not very old to begin with, so I'm not like, oh, what the Coens go so, like, I want to know. <laughs> like, I, yeah. By the time I'm old enough to be watching movies discernibly, the Coens have already been established, they've already made some great movies, where here's like a new filmmaker, among others like him, that have emerged and like, yeah, what what else is going on? Yeah. Well, with all that, uh, I think we've firmly established where you are with this. See this movie immediately if you can, if you have a Prime account, um, or if there's a drive-in near you that it's playing at, because it is playing at select drive-ins around the around the country right now. Um, yeah, and then this would be a great movie for uh, drive-ins. Um, if there were one that were easier for me to get to, um, then I would go. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but and I agree as far as seeing this movie immediately. I mean, if you if you if you have the ability to watch it, um, do that. It, it is worth a worthwhile feature. Um, all right. Well, that was our review of the Vast of Night. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to our out now feedback section. Feedback, 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 where we go over the home of the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash now podcast. We asked a number of listeners questions and they gave us answers. Then they gave us some questions that we can answer as well. As I go through these, David, feel free to chime in anywhere you want to here. Okay. Um, first question we have, what are your favorite 50 sci-fi films? Uh, Todd writes Godzilla and the Thing from Another World. Farron has, I'm going to say, Forbidden Planet or Invaders from Mars or War of the Worlds without actually checking when they were released. They were both in the 50s, so you're good. Um, Chris Chris writes, 50s were freaking awesome for sci-fi. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Blob, The Fly, The Day of the Earth Stood Still. And for as far as a film set in the 50s, The Iron Giant. So favorite film set in the favorite sci-fi 50s films. Any any favorites come to mind, David? Uh, well, I mean, uh, the day the earth is still would have been my favorite, but someone already uh, mentioned it. I, uh, I'll I'll try and think of uh, 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 something else, but uh, day the earth is still is really great. People should watch that. I, I'm talking I, about the 50s version. Yes, I I yeah, not the Scott Derrickson uh, remake. Um, I I, uh, I agree. I'm a huge fan of that movie, which of course still has relevant messages of the day <laughs> like it's just it, it's fantastic from top to bottom and it speaks to yeah. a mindset that people should be set in um not unlike many other 50 films because they're dealing with very hot pressing issues um but, <laughs> less about communism i suppose these days but still there's a universal theme going on throughout some of these uh, yeah. godzilla comes to mind um, for me as well i know godzilla was mentioned but obviously i'm a huge godzilla fan so it's hard to not mention godzilla when it, it applies yeah all right, uh, let's see. Next question. Favorite films featuring a radio DJ? Chris writes, Good Morning Vietnam and Pontypool. Todd has Do the Right Thing, The Warriors, American Graffiti, and Talk Radio. Joe writes, Pump Up the Volume. Uh, Jim Dietz, friend of the show, has Pirate Radio or The Island that ro- or the Boat That Rocked, uh, Airheads, and The Night That Panicked America. Farron has The Fog. Christopher has Beauty Shop, Good Morning Vietnam, Talk to Me, Choose Me, Straight Talk, and Ray, and Catherine has Times Square. Any films, any favorites featuring radio DJs? So I didn't hear uh, everything you said. I'm glad someone mentioned Airheads, a, a favorite movie from my childhood. I don't know how it holds up. Don't want to. Um, <laughs> uh, the Lone Rangers, they're uh, a good band. They 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 had a good song. <laughs> yeah, I so I but because I didn't hear the whole uh, list, I don't know. Did anyone say Private Parts? No one said Private Parts. No. Yeah, that's a good movie. How many movies are there where, like, the lead is playing themselves in the biography of themselves? Like, Jackie Robinson is one. I know that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I never saw that. Yeah. Are there I many of those, know. though, where, like, the person just plays themselves in the movie? I'm sure sure there must be. I, I'm, I'm having trouble thinking of any, though. Yeah. I don't know. My Dinner of Andre? Does that count? They're just talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole separate question. I'm just curious because it's like that doesn't happen too often, but it ha- it's yeah. happened enough to be mentioned. Um, I, I like that "Talk to Me" was mentioned. Um, the, the film of Don Cheadle, the Cassie Lemons film. Um, big cast on that movie actually. Your your boy Mike Epps is in that movie. Uh, oh yeah, I never I never saw that, but I worked I worked at the ArcLight in early 2007, and so I saw the trailer for "Talk to Me" a bunch. one million times. <laughs> That's there. 
because the when you work at the the Arclight is a theater where the, when if you work there you have to stay in the theater through the trailers to make and watch the beginning of the movie to make sure uh, the projection is right as part of the job. It's kind of more for show than anything because the projectionist is also up there like revealing the uh, secrets. But it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, there's a handful of trailers um, uh, that I could probably like recite from memory from from that era talk to me is one of them the uh sandra bullock vehicle premonition uh oh that's a movie a movie that i that i saw <laughs> i saw that trailer so so many times um uh i'm trying i can't think of any more off the top of my head but uh, uh there are there are a few of those yeah feel, feel free to shout them out if they come to mind because i am yeah. curious um let's see next question we have your favorite films about ambitious reporters Chris has Ace in the Hole, also Nightcrawler. Todd has All the President's Men, and Catherine has Zodiac. Uh, I'll go recent. Uh, how about Richard Jewell? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, ambitious. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Spotlight uh, is a good one. Uh, let's see what the paper, the Ron Howard film, Spotlight one zero point oh with Michael Keaton, a little less. A little less serious in the paper than Spotlight. Yeah. Uh, Shattered Glass. Okay, yeah. The Insider. Sure, yeah. yeah. A little ambitious, right? Al Pacino, yeah. trying to get those, get those. I'm just thinking about, um, you know, yelling at Christopher Plummer. But... If you if you consider, if you include photo journalism, you could go Road to Perdition. That's got a very ambitious that's one of my favorite jude law roles by the way i really like him in that movie i like him playing just skeezy scumballs (laughs) that's yeah that's why contagion's such a fun watch right now right because of jude law playing the worst person i I haven't been able to bring myself to watch it i know some people who watched it immediately and everyone's takeaway seems to be like oh it actually made me feel better because coronavirus isn't nearly as bad as, as as what's going on in contagion and, and contagion is is dealt with in a responsible way, um, which is also like a, it's very optimistic given how deadly that virus is in that movie. Um, and the Cliff Martinez score is just great. I'm sure that's what everyone's saying. Also, they're like, man, that Cliff Martinez, he's doing his job. <laughs> um, all right, next question: What are some of your favorite debuts, as in the first film from a director? Alan has Gone Baby Gone. Chris has Crikey, There's Loads, Easy Rider, Reservoir Dogs, Hereditary, Ex Machina, Kronos, Mad Max. I will stop there and leave for some other people. Um, yeah, I uh, 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 somewhat recent, within the last 10 years, uh, In the Family, uh, which is a film directed by Patrick Wang, who um, uh, more recently, a couple years ago, made A Bread Factory, that, that four-hour-long uh, movie about a small-town arts uh, uh, theater. Um, in the family is a, a really stellar uh, debut. Uh, I would also say she's on my mind because her birthday would have been yesterday. But uh, Ag- uh, Agnes Varda's uh, first film, uh, La Pointe Court, um, uh, definitely worth worth checking out too. Blood Simple tends to come to mind mm-hmm. very for, just because it, it just caters to my sensibilities a lot. <laughs> so it's like yeah, that that one always springs to mind as far as debut films, even though there's plenty of amazing. I mean, Blood Simple's great also there's plenty of amazing debuts from various directors um let's see last question here favorite films about conspiracies chris writes the winter soldier and soylent green very similar uh alan has zootopia and todd has jfk and the manchurian candidate oh manchurian Candidate, that's a good one um 
Oh, I'm trying. I've, I feel like my brain is not. My brain is turned to mush by uh, the quarantine. I can't think of uh, that much. Weirdly, the thing that comes to mind is not a movie, but uh, the um, tragically short-lived and under-respected uh, AMC uh, um, series Rubicon. Rubicon. Uh huh. Yeah, that's a terrific conspiracy theory uh, uh, show. Well, we're we're getting what we want these days, so just make a campaign, bring back Rubicon, hashtag bring back Rubicon, and you know, yeah. it'll be on HBO Max soon enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's it's too bad that um uh-huh. uh it's too bad that Chris Hardwick got canceled because that means he can't host the after show discussion Rubicon conversation. <laughs> I had to dust. I mean, I think I made that joke like six years ago. I had to dust that one off. <laughs> Rubik conversation. We could find some hosts for that. What's Will Wheaton doing? He can he can host that, right? Yeah, I, Manchurian Candidate obviously comes to mind. That's one of my favorite movies. And the the remake of Manchurian Candidate is quite good. Like, yeah, way, it's way better than it should be as far as that goes. Like, you, like making remaking Manchurian Candidate, but when you have when you have Denzel and you have um. John and Demi doing something that's not the truth about Charlie. I guess it all works out. That uh, it's a it's a strong and Jeffrey Wright's really good in that movie too. Anyway, that, that one's great. Um, would the conversation be considered a conspiracy movie? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I I should rewatch that. It's been a while. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the conversation. So, which was going to have a fantastic 4K re-release in theaters uh, months ago, and that that didn't happen obviously. Um, anyway, uh, let's see. We got a question here. This one's from Jim, friend of the show. He writes, This movie, The Vast of Night, was such a nice surprise. What other movies came out of nowhere that surprised you of how good they were? I wanted to think about this one, too. I should have presented it earlier so we could both think about this so we can have an answer for it. Any surprising movies that came out of nowhere for you? Well, uh, I will say that my, um, back when, and hopefully this will happen again someday, when when there were, when press screenings happened, um, the you know there are things that i try to like oh, i'm really interested in that i hope i get a press screening but i also try to leave sort of a certain number of like my evenings open for press screenings of movies that i don't know anything about um and a lot of times that turns out to be uh they turn out to be bad movies but um sometimes uh they turn out uh to be real gems and uh one of my favorite movies of the 2010s maybe was a russian film called white tiger um uh, or as I uh, jokingly referred to it on Battleship Pretension, Ghost Tank, because uh, uh-huh. it's it's a it's a World War II movie about a um, uh, a, a tank that seems to be to just appear uh, <laughs> um, and seems to uh, uh, have no uh, driver a- at all uh, and just like lays waste to uh, Russian forces. Um, and uh, then there's a Russian tank driver who gets blown up and somehow survives and reemerges with the ability to sort of like commune with his tank. And so it's this like uh, uh, the, this Russian tank uh, driver. I'm not sure if tank driver is the right word. There's probably a more uh, uh, a more specific term. Oh, but yeah, the, tank, um, the tank driver, the TD. Yeah, but but he and his uh, tank, who were sort of like uh, telepathically linked, uh, set off uh, to find and destroy this German ghost tank. Um, it's uh, yeah, as as crazy as it sounds, but also uh, way more 
serious uh, than it sounds, which actually just reminds me of a movie I just watched the other night that I watched knowing nothing about it, just that it had a crazy title and Sam Elliott was in it, and that's uh, The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot. Oh, yeah? Uh, did you see that? I haven't yet, but I've heard good things it, about it. It's real good. <laughs> like, I thought it was just going to be like a... Uh, what was that one with Rudger Hauer? Like, uh, Hobo, Hobo with a Shotgun? shotgun. I thought it was uh. going to be like... I thought it was going to be like a... Yeah, we started with a crazy title and then made a movie to sort of fit that title. But this actually is like a really serious movie about, like, regret and, like, missed opportunity um, and, and, like, life's uh, purpose. Uh, it... Uh, and with a great cast outside of Sam Elliott, you've also got uh, uh, Ron Livingston um, is in it. And, uh, uh, yeah, some other folks, uh, Caitlin Fitzgerald from uh, Masters of Sex. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's another one. So, yeah, uh, White Tiger and uh, The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot. Is that streaming somewhere? Uh, it's on Hulu. Yeah. Oh, OK. I don't have yeah. Hulu. <laughs> Good to know. Um yeah, so yeah, as far as surprising films go, I mean, it's rare that I feel like I get like really surprised by something. Honestly, like the most recent one I can think of, although it's not like out of nowhere, but I was certainly like, is this going to be any good or just kind of like, well, they did it finally. Is that is Bad Boys for Life? Honestly, I was not expecting to really enjoy a third Bad Boys film so many years later without Michael Bay involved, as much as some people might wonder about that i do think it's a key ingredient in making a bad boys film and i was like this is actually very good mainly because it doesn't try to be this nostalgia fest it tries to actually be a real movie and i was uh, i was entertained by that quite a bit not saying it's brilliant but i i did enjoy it quite a bit as far as recent movies go um i'd even say blade runner 2049 i was i was not expecting a film to be as good as it was as far as being a sequel to blade runner um Despite having all the talent involved, including Denis Villeneuve, um, I, I was thoroughly impressed by how good uh, the, the Blade Runner sequel was. Um, but yeah, like a lot of I don't know smaller movies that I see, like it's the less that I'm like out of nowhere surprised, but like, well, that was good, like good, good for them, <laughs> like they did a good job. <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to like think otherwise. <laughs> I, I didn't have an expectation necessarily, so I wasn't thinking like, oh, this is gonna suck. It's like, no, yeah. Good, good job. Person I either did not hear about or have you know varying amounts of experience with. Um, do you do you wonder that? Or do, you, do you get that way at all? Do you ever like? Do you do you feel like you're? It's hard for you to be surprised given that we yeah. see so many movies. Yeah, and we like um, get press releases, and so we like we know what's on the horizon a lot of the a lot of the time. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I often. Uh, know more than I wish I did about a movie before I before I go into it because I you know I'm someone who doesn't I, I try not to watch trailers um, if I can avoid it um, and yet I still mostly know what I'm in for yeah there's just kind of a you get a sense about these things after a while mm-hmm. like you see enough stuff where it's like I, I kind of have an idea of what I'm getting into here and it's not that doesn't reflect the quality it's just more like you know something's not really gonna blow my mind because it's delivering on what I expected to, whether that's just a very good version of that something I expected or it's something that's mediocre or less. It's like, yeah, I, <laughs> it's hard to be like, I can't believe Michael Fassbender was so good in that movie. It's like, yeah, he's Michael Fass, like that. He does that. Like he's, he's pretty good in things. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Tends to be the way I think, mm-hmm. um, among other things. Uh, all right. That's our feedback. 
at this point, it looks like Abe's not going to be able to join us for the podcast. Just throwing that out there. So apologies for those expecting Abe to, to pop in. But uh, he'll be back. He'll be back soon enough. Sorry. <laughs> I know. Um, but let's uh, let's get into the other half of the show now. Where we're going to talk about streaming services. Uh, what uh, why they're so prevalent? What they're what, what what's good for what and what have you? So we're going to kind of break this down, and okay. and we'll start with kind of which services are out there, which like main ones are out there, and what is it that really like defines what they are. And so we'll start with some of the obvious ones. When I when I say Netflix. What what is what is the service Netflix? What does that do for you, David? What what is what is what is Netflix like primary thing? I, I mostly use it for TV series uh, more than more than movies. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, we're watching uh, uh, BoJack Horseman. I'd never watched that. So uh, my wife and I are in the second season of BoJack Horseman. We watched uh, earlier earlier this quarantine. We watched the uh, <laughs> the new Mindy Kaling produced series Never Have I Ever. That was really good. Um, I don't feel like I watch that many movies on Netflix except for around award season because that's when Netflix puts out the stuff that I care about. That's when they that's when they put out your uh, you know your um, uh, Noah Baumbach type movies and and whatnot. Um, so uh, yeah, mostly Netflix is for TV for me. I um I agree as far as like I I have notes on each one of these and I have TV and original content because that's really and. The, Netflix might be the one that's most significantly shifted, mainly because it's you know one of the first streaming services. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was existed before there was even a streaming service. But the, you know, it went from having all the movies that you could rent on disc to limiting that for various studio reasons to pivoting over to well, we can also have a lot of TV, and then we can also create our own content. <laughs> and so yeah, at this point, it is a good source of TV. Um, and it is a good source of, yeah, because they can back all these filmmakers as well as kind of import a lot of films. Uh, there's a lot of original stuff or stuff that at least is only presentable via Netflix that comes out via Netflix. So that's, that's a good resource for, for that, uh, for sure. How about Amazon? Amazon so, Prime, to uh, be specific. <laughs> um, I, uh, uh, you know, I, I hesitate to, um, uh, promote uh, Amazon because I have so many disagreements with their uh, sure. their business practices and their uh, employment practices and stuff like that. But uh, as far as Amazon Prime itself, I think they have a lot of good like uh, original content, like The Vast of Night and um, and and other like Amazon Originals type of uh, movies and and TV series. But also weirdly, Amazon often it maybe doesn't have the uh, um, some of these films aren't like great picture and audio quality but they have a, a a weirdly deep like backlog of kind of like trashy somewhat obscure like horror stuff you know yeah, like i yeah. think um um i think the witch who came from the sea is on prime i can't remember uh if that is i know i watched um uh oh what's the um Oh damn! What's the Shelley Winters like? Uh, uh, Handsome Gretel um, uh, horror movie from the seventies. Uh, I can't remember what that one's called. Um, damn, that's gonna that's gonna bug me. It has a a, a crazy name. Whoever also, slew uh, Auntie Rue. Yes, whoever slew Auntie Rue. Yeah. I watched on Prime. 
Um, earlier, again, earlier this quarantine, I watched uh, a terrific uh, Giallo. I'm not that well versed in Giallo, but uh, your uh, 1972's Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key, which is actually a really good movie. And that one actually does like it's good HD. It's a it's a good uh, definitely worth watching. So um, uh, yeah, I I don't know if it's enough to make uh, Prime the Prime membership worth it on its own, um, but uh, there's some Prime has some oddball things that Netflix doesn't have. Netflix often seems focused a little bit more on the the mainstream, um, but Prime will just like throw stuff up there sometimes. Yeah, you're 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 completely not. Right. I didn't think about that aspect because you're completely right. They have like these obscure B movies or C horror movies or what have you that are mm-hmm. just like sitting there waiting to be watched. In addition to original content, and they had like. They get a number, like they have a Paramount contract clearly, because all the Paramount films eventually go to their like recent ones that like you can watch, like all the Mission Impossible's or whatever. Like they all go to Prime, as well as um, like like A two four films, like so like they those all like go to Prime pretty frequently as well. So like they have a lot of like their mainstream film catalog consists of like a studio, as well as like some of the you know some indie studio stuff that like goes there. You know, like right, like what, like um, even like Knives Out's gonna be on Prime like pretty soon. So like it's a good resource for finding some newer films as well as obscure stuff in addition to TV con- original TV content. Let's see, how about Hulu? I don't have Hulu myself. I know it. I know TV is like the primary function of it. Well, actually, Hulu uh, uh, largely because of that they clearly have a relationship with Neon. Um, uh-huh. Who's actually pretty good for uh, recent indie movies? Uh, I mean, you've got you've been, like Parasites on Hulu, so that's good. Yeah. Um, but you've got stuff like uh, uh, Beach Rats, um, Fast Color, which is not neon, but um, uh, that's on there. The aforementioned uh, The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I would also say that I still mostly use Hulu um, for for TV, both the Hulu originals like uh, Rami, which I'm in the, watching the second season of right now, uh, but also because of um, all the FX stuff shows up on 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 Hulu. So I watch like Better Things, uh, which is um, one of my favorite shows uh, currently going. Um, but uh, yeah, Hulu, and also unlike Prime, which is like a yearly membership, mm-hmm. you can do month you could do a month on 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 hulu and and cancel it so uh if there's um some some recent like indie movies that you feel like you've uh, missed and want to catch up with hulu is a a good way to do that um yeah i would definitely uh, uh i'm pro pro hulu cool i uh it's more of like i have so many services <laughs> or i have enough uh, where I just I can't like do everything, let alone fit everything into some kind of time. But I like I really want to watch Devs, the Alex Garland series on Hulu. So it's like I could do a free trial, or I could do like a month and then cancel it, and that'd be you know pretty helpful. Yeah. Let's see. Next is what we have Disney Plus, one of the newer ones. Obviously, this is very much geared towards Disney's library of films that include their animated features as well as their various movies from over the years, TV series from the Disney Channel, and of course the heavy hitters you have start all the star wars content and all the marvel content um in addition to kind of original content uh, including more star wars with the mandalorian but as well as other 
programs that they are making and other um, movies and places they can debut films, such as we talked about Artemis Fowl, which is a very big budget movie that was going to go to theaters, but now is a you know it it sits in a, a hub for Disney to use as far as their streaming platform goes. David, do you have Disney Plus or do you use it at all? I I I don't have Disney Plus. I um have not really felt the urge to uh to to get it i've been um put off by some of the reports of of movies being kind of like bodlerized and uh, censored or whatever um uh-huh. um uh, not that i mean I, I don't know adventures of babysitting is not like some great uh <laughs> um uh, uh sacred cow but still i don't like the idea of of them doing that um as far as stuff that's on there i have I, i've been i've heard that um the new DuckTales series is good. Um, and so I've been a little bit uh, tempted to maybe uh, uh, check that out. But uh, I was disappointed to find that a movie that I've... I didn't grow up with, with cable uh, TV. So uh, in the 90s, I missed the Disney Channel's uh, TV movie version of Freaky Friday with Shelley Long and Gabby Hoffman. Uh-huh. And I really, I really want to see it. It's the only, weirdly, of like... Uh, all the Freaky Fridays, it's the only one actually directed by a woman. Um, uh, and I always wanted to see it. And then I looked and it's not on Disney Plus. So uh, basically, this is me calling Disney Plus out. If you put the 95 Disney Channel Freaky Friday on Disney Plus, I will at least sign up for a month and, and watch that. I'll make that a hashtag, too. We got all these going. We're going to get Rubicon, the 90s Freaky Friday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the original cut of Avengers and Babysitting. We're gonna get it all. We're gonna yeah. tackle that all. We we'll solve problems. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, let's see. Uh, the other, uh, the most recent one, part of the inspiration for this, um, HBO Max is now uh, up and running. Um, it's its focus is a little. We're gonna talk about this a little bit too, as far as what services are catering to what and how we'd recommend them. But HBO Max is, seems to be. Uh, a, a grand mix of things right now. It has a lot of movies, many Warner Brothers movies for obvious reasons. Um, it has a lot of TV. It has a lot of Criterions. It has a lot of TCM um, property movies. Um, it has Cartoon Network and Adult Swim, which is WB, so it makes sense. And it it has the Studio Ghibli collection. It has their library. Yeah, <laughs> they got a lot going on, it seems. Yeah, I mean it's it's too new for me to have played around with it too too much. I have because I was an HBO Now subscriber, I automatically uh-huh. am an HBO Max subscriber now. Yeah. Um, Which is like to, to be seem... clear, like HBO Max does seem to be it's like what a revamped version of HBO Now essentially. Like that is that a good way to put it? Yeah, except I don't think HBO Now had like a original series on it. It uh-huh. was just like it was just a way to get HBO stuff without having an HBO subscription through your cable yeah. provider or whatever but hbo max has all that plus a lot of other stuff these older movies i mean for people who miss filmstruck like i do uh every day um all this all this tcm stuff is is great um yeah the studio ghibli stuff that's awesome and also some of these originals are very um promising i was it's been over two years at this point since there's been a new episode of search party which was a tbs series uh-huh. that uh aired for two seasons on on tbs and was really really great uh and finally, seasons three and four are, are I don't know when four is premiering. Season three is premiering on HBO Max at the end of June. Um, and then there's going to be a four season. So I'm super excited about that. HBO Max seems worthwhile. And it seems um, like uh, uh, this 
the these older movies and stuff uh, and these criterions are going to be in their correct aspect ratio <laughs> that's always something i have problems with watching movies on HBO, like yeah. uh, hbo go or hbo now or whatever is that often they're uh cropped to 178 um because that hbo as a broadcaster still insists on that um but i think these are going to be in their original uh a- aspect ratio um so i'd say for like if you're a you know you know uh classic standard issue cinephile hbo max is uh, uh a surprisingly good investment I, I will say this, and I'm concerned how much of your focus goes in this area. The one short thing that seems to have irked a lot of people about HBO Max so far, well, there's other things, but the, the one thing that stands out to me, because it's surprising, is that it has no 4K content. Uh, compared to Disney+, Plus, which was 4K immediately, as well as uh, Netflix, Amazon, and I believe Hulu as well, they all have, they're all 4K compatible, where HBO is completely high, high definition. Um, I that seems odd to me in the age that we're in, where you wouldn't just at launch be able to yeah, broadcast uh, it, in that way. Yeah, it, it does. I don't know. I, I don't know um, about HBO's um, original like series if they're sh- what they're shooting and if there are like uh, mm-hmm. uh, UHD um, uh, versions out there. Um, but uh, I feel like this is it's gonna they're gonna have to do 4K at at some point yeah i'm sure uh, it'll or, upgrade or, or uhd i'll say I'm, I'm sure it will upgrade eventually it's just like a weird like especially if there's beyond like the content you already have in your in your library with with you know not too much original content there seems like there's only so much that you can sell it on beyond hey these movies that you love you can now watch them via this service it seems like like especially when there's you know, like wizard of oz has a 4k blu-ray release uh the various um uh, DC films all are available in 4K. Like, you, if you can't watch that in the streaming service, that seems like, especially for people that are very devoted to, you know, broadcast quality or just quality of their, you know, entertainment setup, it seems like you'd want that right away. That's that's such a weird like way to launch something. Uh, that I can't. I I mean, if, whether it comes down to time or just, you know, the development process for how you roll these things out, I don't know. But like that, I could see that hindering a lot of the interest for some people as far as how they choose to view things. Yeah, especially you know, like if if Disney can come out with it right away, it seems like that's like it, that's like Warner Brothers like main competitor. <laughs> it's like that's a it's a weird area to be slacking in. I don't know. But, yeah, but I mean yes, you're not wrong as far as the amount of content they have, especially for people that want to see older films and you know films that are just readily available that they you know love or want to like see more of. That's there, and that uh, that that's a lot of promising stuff, uh, for sure. Um, let's see. Let me go. Okay, the other one. Let's see. Apple TV Plus, all original content so far. There's no. I know they're looking into building a backlog of other things. Like they want to combine with some other studios so they can have like more content beyond just the originals that come out. I've been able to see a lot of it because I have a I have a, a press connection uh, through Apple TV Plus. Yeah. So I'm able to see some of the original shows that they've put out there. Um, and there are a few that I really like, like Little America. I think is really strong. Um, among others, uh, have have you checked out Apple TV Plus at all? Nope. Nope. All right. <laughs> I haven't seen a single thing. Yeah. No problem. Um, let's see. <sighs> Just to go through some of these other ones briefly, and then we'll kind of move on. Uh, we have Sling TV, which is good for live TV streaming. Uh, Fubo TV, that's for sports. Crackle is Sony's um, streaming service, which streams older movies as well as some original content, and I believe there's ads 
let's see, Crunchyroll is for anime. Let's see, there's YouTube TV, which is for like live TV, Twitch for live gaming and musicians. Um, let's see. Oh, there's Mubi. I know you're familiar with Mubi. Yeah. What's yeah. Mubi doing? Uh, I, uh, I, I, I had a subscription when they were uh, a sponsor of Battle for Pretension, but they're not currently. So um, I haven't watched anything recently, but they've uh, they've added a bunch of a bunch of stuff. Uh, uh, Mubi has has good stuff. Cool. And uh, let's see. A Quibi, that's the other more recent okay. launch, which uh, I feel like has not gone well for Quibi. <laughs> um, the, the, it's original content that's all available via mobile, although I believe they're shifting to also be available via your like entertainment unit, um, however they might be set up. And they're designed to be like quick bit series where they're like five to ten minute shows, like they're episodes that you can view in either format on your like phone, whether you rotate it horizontal or vertical, which there's a lot of ambition there. It just seems like this is maybe the worst time to have launched something like that. (laughs) It it has not helped them despite having like the budget to seemingly do a lot. They have a lot of like big or at least notable stars involved with their content. Um, But yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't tend to watch much stuff on my phone to begin with. So it's really not for me, but it's out there. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll again voice some uh, political disagreements with Quibi because their content is so short form. Uh, it allows them to get around um, a lot of union rules, and uh, uh-huh. uh, uh, so um, that bothers me as a pro-union guy. Mm-hmm. The last one here I'll mention is Criterion Channel, the yeah. uh, the Criterion themed streaming service. David, do you have thoughts on or like what? How do they f- uh, focus their service? I mean, if you like criterion then this is absolutely a must uh subscribe i've i've been a subscriber since before it even existed technically um they 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 gave you they gave uh i think filmstruck members the ability to sign up uh at a reduced rate before it uh debuted so um yeah criterion is maybe my most used for movies um uh, a series because those are the type of movies that I'm that I'm uh, interested in. So uh, I have a slight bone to pick with some of how their interface and their search function uh, works. Um, uh, they they treat the and maybe some people love this, but they treat the special features as equal to the features themselves. Oh, so there's no um, like tiering of things. Yeah, so the it's it's annoying that like. Uh, because searching for something on like a Roku app uh, by you know takes a while because you have to move the uh, you can't just type on a keyboard you have to move the the, the arrow over to each letter uh, and so um, uh, I was looking for an example a couple months ago I watched uh, Ingmar Bergman's The Passion of Anna and um, I had to put in all of the letters The Passion of Anna before the actual feature came up and even then it was only the third thing listed because the special <laughs> features the special features kept coming up first so that's um as someone i feel like a lot of these streaming services netflix is like this too are geared towards like i'm going to turn on netflix and find something to watch which is not how i use any streaming service i uh-huh. think i want to watch x and then i'm going to go find it so i'm always using the search function and a lot of times the search function is not um uh, uh that uh, helpful because it's not um, what they're geared towards, and Criterion is a, a particularly <laughs> particularly egregious offender in in that uh, in that way. But uh, still, it's my it's probably my favorite uh, 
uh, streaming service um, that there is. I mean, I know what you mean. I want to watch want to watch Godzilla film, and I type in Godzilla. It's all I got to come up with once they have Godzilla in the title. So where's Invasion of Astro Monster? That's what I'm saying. You know, there's no Godzilla in that title. Suddenly, yeah. I don't have that option anymore. That's think about got. that. I know. That said, I, I have the Godzilla Criterion box set, so what am I doing watching it on streaming services? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, and they, even then, I have the the handy like speak into the remote thing, and it'll it'll just pop up all the letters. So I, can, oh, I gotta do that. You gotta do that more. Yeah, there you go. Technology, they'll get you. They'll, they'll help you out. Um, but no, I, I I don't have Criterion mainly because I own so much physical Criterion. Um, and again, it's a way to just save me some money as far as like, do I need another streaming service or can I just like <laughs> balance this out well? Um, but I do admire the yeah. fact that, yeah, it, for one thing, it is a hub for Criterion because there's such great content there. But also there's what, like programmed lists or playlists that are that are d- delivered through like other filmmakers, like things that just kind of like get you in a certain zone. Yeah, yeah, they, they um, yeah, bundled those things uh, together. But they also, I mean, uh, they have, stuff on the stream streaming service that they have the rights to that they haven't physically actually released. Yeah. Uh, physically r- released like mm-hmm. um um uh what's his name kenji mizuguchi's the 47 ronin i don't think they've ever put that out it's like a four-hour uh samurai movie from the early 40s uh and that's on criterion yeah, yeah, I've I've seen that a lot. I get I I get their emails, which I do enjoy. <laughs> I'm like I do like seeing what's out there. Like that is because it's just like nice to know that it, like it exists as far as people can see stuff like this. It's available in some capacity. Um, yeah. with all, with all that, so we've just we've gone over a lot of these big services. Is there any smaller service or one that's maybe not mentioned as much that you want to like shout out at all? Uh, there's a few actually. Uh, Canopy is uh that was mine, is free yeah. if you. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, no, no. I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm agreeing good. with you. Good call. Canopy. Uh, Go on. Yeah. Sorry. Canopy has a lot of great stuff and it's depending on if your, uh, library, your local library, uh, uh, cooperates with them. It's, it's free with a library card. So, uh, Los Angeles public library, uh, is partnered with them. So I, uh, you get to watch, you can watch 10 things a month, um, for free on, on Canopy. Um, and they have a lot of, uh, classic films and, and, uh, foreign films, um, so I like that. Um, Let me just, there's to, also to, 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 oh, just, to just go on a bit. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. That was the one I was I was going to shout out as well because it's well, it's free for one thing, right? Like it, if you have a lot, if you can connect you to a library, which I I like that. I like that the that's a way to just encourage the use of libraries to some degree. Like I yeah. like that that corresponds because for one thing, libraries are important. Yes. Uh, so the the idea of you know, being able to find a clever way to create a streaming service built around the idea of going to the library and establishing an account there to help support libraries. That's a worthwhile cause. But also, yes, this the films they have, too. It's not like it's, you know, there's maybe one or two main, there's some mainstream stuff from old from past years. But yes, there's a lot of classic film and there's a lot of like modern, recent independent cinema and foreign cinema, as you mentioned mm-hmm. as well. So it's a it's a great source for kind of offbeat things as well as older cinema. So it's, it's certainly one to. And it, you know, like you said, it's it you get you get ten views per month, and it's more or less free. So there's there's no real downside there as far as if you're at a, in a limited capacity of how you can spend on something. Yeah. Canopy is a good call. Yeah, I also I don't subscribe to this one, but I love I love the hyper specific ones. And I uh-huh. think if I wanted to do like a Bollywood deep dive, uh, Yup Y U P P Yup TV. Hmm. Um, it seems really cool. It has a ton of a ton of stuff, a ton of Bollywood stuff with English subtitles. Um, uh, so I'm glad that exists. 
Um, another one that I don't subscribe to, but I get emails for is Ovid. I don't know if you get those uh, emails. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Ovid has a ton of uh, like foreign art house stuff, and also a lot of they seem. Uh, I keep man, I keep bringing up politics, obviously, because of what's going on in the world. But they're also very left leaning, and so they have a lot of like uh, uh, you know leftist documentaries and stuff. So they have like the 1967 Far from Vietnam, which is a fascinating movie. Uh, they have uh, the entirety of Patricio Guzman's um, The Battle of Chile, which I've never actually seen. It's like six hours long or something like that. Um, that's all there. So Ovid uh, sounds cool. Um, but what I want to uh, the, the thing that I actually kind of want to highlight right now, given what's going on with the, the quarantine and stuff, is the virtual cinemas, mm. um, which is a way uh, uh, you, you sort of you go through the distributor, like, say, Film Movement Plus or or Kino Marquee, you know, uh, download their app or whatever. You rent the thing. Uh, you rent the movie. These are like usually recent movies or uh, classic movies that have recently been restored. Um and you can select uh, like a, an independent theater for a part of your proceeds to go to to help support independent theaters at this time. We can't go to the theater. So through Kino Marquis, you can watch The Gray Fox, which you and I were talking about off off mic. And uh, I haven't checked out which theaters are participating with Kino Marquis, but you could select the local theater or a theater that you want to support. Uh, Film Movement, uh, Film Movement uh, Plus has um, a bunch of stuff, including the recently restored um, 1993 Italian semi-documentary comedy uh, Caro Diario. Um, and I know Film Movement Plus is uh, partnering for the Angelinos like me, partnering with the American Cinematheque. So you could you could rent Caro Diario, which is a great movie, and uh, have part of the proceeds go to support a local theater. Um, so I would definitely recommend people do that. And there, I, I've just named a couple, but there's so many, uh, film and Lincoln center. Neon has, ha, has one, uh, film rise, um, which is a way to watch, uh, film rise has driveways, which is a recent, uh, film starring Hong Chow again, but also the late Brian Dennehy, one of his final performances. Uh, you can do that. So it's a great way to watch movies and support theaters at this time when we can't go to theaters. For sure. Yeah. No, we've, We've talked about it a little bit before on this podcast ever since the quarantine started because obviously, yes, among the other businesses out there, theaters are certainly, you know, a major industry and there are people that are, you know, uh, ways to kind of support the cinema in, in, in the, the ways that you can. It's it's a neat one. It's a neat way to kind of connect the two as opposed to just like merely renting something off of a giant corporation streaming service. You can rent something that has proceeds going somewhere that are, you know, hyper-specific. All right, well, cool. I'm glad you had a lot to, to mention there. Um, let's uh, let's get to how we would recommend these services to people. Like what we would, if we had to kind of, if if you had someone coming to you trying to ask, like, what are like the top three services, or like what what three or four services would you recommend for me to have? I only have like a certain amount of money to spend on these things. Like, what is what is the way we would kind of gear? our response to that towards like which ones do we choose or or what so david like what how would you record like what would you what would you say to someone that has like a certain limit on these things and how they would go for it go yeah as far as what i would recommend to someone uh especially someone on uh, a budget i would say that the as much as i love criterion that's a big uh commitment um uh, same with amazon prime so i would say canopy gets you a lot of the stuff that uh that's also on criterion and that's free so canopy is a great way to start and i would also say um hbo max and 
and Hulu. Uh, probably if you're if you're on a budget and you're trying to keep it to uh, a, a few uh, uh, choices only, uh, and you're into movies more than TV, uh, this is a movie podcast. Um, I would say, um, yeah, Canopy, uh, HBO Max, and, and Hulu are ways to go. Yeah, I mean. You mentioned Canopy again. Yeah, Canopy makes sense just because, again, it's you know you're not paying anything to begin with, so it's like that's a that's a good source, especially if you're getting certain kinds of films. Like, yeah, it does really it does really come down to kind of what you're looking for in a service to begin with, too, right? So Hulu makes sense if you want, yes, a lot of TV content and you get some film. Some good, a lot of good film, a lot of good recent indie films that aren't Hulu. So yeah, sure. I you know I, it's hard for me to argue against Netflix either honestly I do think there is there there's so much content that's coming out of there that's original and especially during certain times where you get a lot of uh, tour filmmakers that now that are getting the the budgets to back up what they what their visions are as well as a lot of TV right you're getting you're getting a lot mm-hmm. of TV content um, and it's presented in like the you know you have the you know the 4K content or whatever like it's doing it the kind of the ideal way. Um, yeah, HBO Max, just because, like, yeah, as much as I could say Criterion, HBO has a lot of Criterion, as well as other other areas, right? You're covering a lot of ground as far as, you know, older TV, older movies, the Ghibli stuff. The, uh, even if, you have, if you're gearing towards families, you have a lot of Cartoon Network and Adult Swim. St- well, not Adult Swim necessarily, but you have, but you have a lot of uh, <laughs> areas to cover there. That's why I also want, like, because, I mean... Again, if you're if you're trying to cater towards not just yourself but a whole family, Disney Plus has is geared specifically towards families, right? Like it has everything as far mm-hmm. as varying shows or what have you, older movies, regardless of the edits, I guess, which is a whole different discussion. But also like the Star Wars and Marvel stuff, which it's an all audience friendly type of thing that's very popular, um, and it's all right there, but the you know at your fingertips. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it really it comes down to kind of what you're looking for as far as what kind of content you want to watch, whether it's like original film, independent cinema, mainstream movies, and so there's all different kinds of combinations you have. But right, you know, looking at it right now, yeah, it's hard to argue against. Well, for one thing, ones that are free, because why not? But also something like HBO Max, which has such a a varied level of content, even if it's not necessarily in the 4K, that's you know not currently available. Yeah, no, there's a lot of different combinations, I guess, you can make as far as how to kind of work up a certain price point, given your options out there. You know, something that I didn't realize until I got, I have a Roku stick now, um, not now, I've yeah. had it for almost a year now, I guess, uh, but there's just so many streaming services I didn't realize as well, like there's so, uh, that yeah. are a varying cont- varying quality and what have you, but there's there's so much more than the ones that are you know always in the headlines because they're not giant companies or what have you. Sometimes sometimes it's just like a hub, or a, you know a, a small like section of things that are that can get you older films or whatnot for of a certain quality, but but are still like free or just available. Um, so it's not you know it's a lot out there. It's a lot you can do. It's a lot you can look at, look into, yeah. and just do the research. Like I, I didn't even know about Yup, which makes a lot it makes a lot of sense to me. It's like of course there'd be a Bollywood streaming service that that makes complete sense. There's so many Bollywood films. Um, yeah. I have no idea how the kind of studio system works involving them because I, I'm sure it's <laughs> not I'm sure it's not just one and not just two, but I, I'm glad that there is a way for people that have an interest in that specific version of film because that's a huge audience, it's a huge market. Um that, that's cool that there's a, a service for that. See what else? Anything else involving streamings? I think we got into a lot of stuff here. 
We've yeah. already been talking long as it is. Well, no, I think I'll just I'll move on from that. But thank you, David, for for joining me in that discussion about streaming services because I do think there's a lot of, especially now in the the limited options that we have, if you are looking to kind of watch things, uh, there's there's a lot of options out there that are more than just you know what's new. Sorry, you keep cutting out right when. <laughs> I was just thanking you for for helping me out with that conversation because oh. I do think there's a lot going yeah. on out there that's not just yeah. new. Great. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no problem. Well, with that. Uh, that's going to bring us to the end of this uh, week's episode about Now Theater and Abe. You can find more of my work my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing blue reviews over at Wise of Blue and feature reviews at Weekly of Entertainment. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. David Bax, where can people find more of you online? Uh, BattleshipPretension.com uh, is where you find my reviews uh, and my podcast and a lot of other stuff from other contributors, uh, both written in, in podcast form. And again, Battleship Pretension battleshippretension.com slash premium anything any premium episodes which include commentaries or 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 special uh interviews or deep dives or whatever um anything you buy uh in the month of june uh 100 of the proceeds go to communities united against police brutality very cool oh and i'm on twitter at davy pretension sorry oh great you can find all the other episodes about now there and abe on itunes audioboom spotify and stitcher Email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know the streaming services you'd recommend. I'd be curious to hear that. Uh, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, twitter.com slash underscore podcast, and instagram.com slash underscore podcast as well. Yeah. Uh, give us a rating review on iTunes. Uh, we got plenty of content coming throughout the, throughout the year, regardless of everything that's going on right now. Uh, so we hope you all enjoyed. David, thank you for joining me for this episode of the podcast. Thank you for having me. For sure. And yeah, with all that, that's going to do it. So, so long and goodbye. Man has witnessed and recorded strange manifestations in the sky and speculated on the possibilities of visitors from another world. Today, from the skies of California, the fields of Kansas, the rice paddies of the Orient, the air lanes of the world, come persistent reports of UFOs, unidentified flying objects which we have come to know as flying saucers.